Hey everyone, and welcome to The Ad Project, an ongoing series about two guys who put their heads together to start the world's most advanced Amazon advertising agency. They've obsessed over all things in the Amazon advertising world, built an industry-leading platform to gain deeper insights, and continuously test, trial, and push to uncover the most effective advertising strategies. Now, they're going to help you grow your Amazon business by pulling back the curtain to share what they've discovered. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm Joe, and this is Matt. Matt was just dealing with some technical frustrations, but we got it going. How are you, how you doing, Matt? Better now, much better. <laughs> yeah. Got a webcam so, that works, a mic that works. Life's oh, good. We're good to go. That's all we need. Yeah. So today, what we figured we could cover is we just wanted to walk through the history of Amazon advertising. And the reason to do this is it gives us a really good idea on kind of where Amazon advertising is going. Key reason why this matters for sellers is that we want to make sure that we're staying on top of all these pieces. And we want to make sure that we're continually using Amazon advertising to give ourselves an edge against the competition. And so being able to anticipate different changes that are going to be coming with Amazon advertising and where the industry as a whole is going, it really can help us position ourselves to give us that edge going forward. So figured it would be fun to kind of go back, take a look at where Amazon advertising has evolved from, and then some key things that we feel like are going to be coming up. So, I mean, just to give you a brief background, we covered this a bit in the the intro podcast, but I started as a seller in 2014. And at that time, Amazon advertising was really basic. Around the 2016 timeframe, I had built up my business and was looking for somebody to outsource my advertising to and found that what I was doing was a lot more in depth than what a lot of other providers were doing. And so that gave me the idea, you know, maybe you should really focus on these things. And at the time I was working with Matt at another job and he has this awesome skill set that makes up for any of the the weaknesses that I have, he is like the the exact person to fill in those gaps. So I don't know, Matt, take it over from here. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So Joe developed uh, some pretty good advertising tools, great for optimizing campaigns, but the tools weren't as well optimized as they could be. <laughs> they, uh, they were they were pretty bad, is what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> don't sell yourself short. They they were good at what they did. So. I was working with Joe in another capacity previously. He saw what I was doing on the data modeling and kind of system development side. And so he brought me in and we met in a bar in a dusty old bar in Superior, Wisconsin. We had a beer and he showed me his system and I had some some critiques off the bat and offered some suggestions to revise it. And he said, how about you work with me on that? And AdAdvance was started. That was right in the beginning of 2017. And just tying this back to what Joe was saying in the intro, we've always taken a very like tech-focused approach in, in that we try and build out the best tech for sellers and only, only use it where uh, it, it provides an advantage to sellers. So we don't over-automate. We're early adopters. Like where this all ties into history and Amazon's rollout of new features, where it's going is that early adoption is huge. So with our tech stack, we're able to integrate new features really quickly and integrate them across all ad types. So like our sponsored products or sponsored uh, brands and sponsored display campaigns, they all talk to each other. We have a database that's really well structured and through some mapping and kind of structural conventions, 
we're able to get these different ad types integrated and speaking with one another. Where that's huge is as Amazon rolls out those new features, we leverage it across every ad type. We want to make sure that we have an advantage in every single ad placement that's available on Amazon. It's a huge advantage to sellers, to those listening to this podcast, to get on top of early features as fast as possible because your competition won't. They won't be as quick as you. Get on top of it right away. Typically, there's an advantage at auction, like we saw with sponsored display when that was updated. You can get extremely favorable early CPCs, pay lower price, or just win more placements when you adopt systems more quickly. So as Amazon evolves, just pay attention to what features they're rolling out and then get on top of you know, anything as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's one key point that we're hoping to deliver to with this podcast is we're going to walk through each of these new features as they come out. And in the very early stages, there's not much competition. And so we can see some awesome results. You know, so kind of moving our time machine back to like 2016, 2017 timeframe, or even like 2014 when I started. So the initial ad types that were available were sponsored products ads. And so these were the only ad types that were available at the time. Auto campaigns, all they had was a single default bid. So right now we've got the, the four different targeting types that we can run for auto campaigns. At the time, there was just a single bid that you could set. And then if you wanted to get really fancy at the time, you could create manual campaigns. And at the time, it was just keyword targeting that you could do. And so what we saw is that we could set up auto campaigns put in a super low bid and just achieve amazingly low ACOSs with really not much optimization at all. I mean, back in the day when we were having conversations with sellers, sometimes sellers would ask like, why run auto campaigns? Why would, why would you run auto campaigns? Because you could just stuff your manual campaigns with a massive breadth of targets, use broad match, like super loose relevancy targets and get great results. CPCs were way lower than where they are today competition was way lower. And the answer back then was, well, you wouldn't have any exposure on product pages if you didn't run auto campaigns because there is no product targeting. Like auto campaigns were your key to getting on product detail pages of your competition. They're also a great, they were still, you know, at that stage, a great source for new search term discovery. But that was one of the key benefits just because targeting options were so limited. Yeah. So in the very early days, we didn't have too much for options. But we had very low competition. And so getting great results, like, I mean, the the strategy was, well, just get any campaigns going. They're going to do really well. <laughs> then as we, we move ahead in time a little bit, the next major ad type that came up was what's called headline search ads. Many are going to be familiar with sponsor brands ads. So they used to be called headline search ads or HSA ads. And at the time, they were just like the single banner with the three different products. And then you could click on the brand on the side. This was before storefronts was really built out too. And so this was more just like a banner ad that would go to your different product pages. But, you know, pretty basic and just single placement overall. If I remember right, it was just keyword targeting from the start. I mean, any other pieces for headline search ads, kind of the first iteration that you remember, Matt? Yeah, there are like no options for landing pages. It had to be a new product landing page. You had to have at least three products. Like you said, no storefront options. It was really limited. As Amazon saw that they started seeing success from headline search ads, 
they decided, all right, let's expand out this category. There's potential other ways to show this. And instead of calling it headline search ads, which is just kind of referring to a single placement, then eventually they renamed it to sponsored brand. So we had to actually go back in our system. We called it HSA and we had to rebuild it and kind of update our naming convention to match that too. And as we go through these different pieces, key thing that you'll notice is that Amazon is continuing to add new features and new targeting methods and new ways to bid and new ways to reach different audiences. That's great in terms of control. We love it because we every time they add a new feature, a new target or anything new that we can optimize, we feel like it gives us an edge. But the downside is that it definitely makes advertising a lot more complex, too. We're continuing to trend that direction, and I don't think it's going to go back anytime soon. They're not going to remove features. It's just going to be new and new features as we go. So after that, we're probably not going to hit these in chronological order, but like sponsored products. So they started to add new different targeting types. Up until a certain point, we could just target keywords with manual campaigns. Then they added product targeting in, which was great because now we could finally utilize those ASINs from our search term report from our auto campaigns and create different auto or different manual campaigns with those ASINs. And then they also added category targeting too that you could include with the product targeting sponsored product ads. Yeah. So with those rollouts, we we're able to increase our control by being able to plow product targets where our only exposure was in auto campaigns previously, take those converting product targets, move them into manual campaigns where we have substantially more control. We can drive exposure to the winners and throttle back bids for those that don't perform well, or even more recently, add negative product targets into our ad groups. With that rollout, I guess just one lesson to come out of any new feature is think about it in different contexts. Think about it in terms of audience and strategy. So as soon as product targeting rolled out in manual campaigns, we started launching ASIN defense campaigns immediately. Those are cross-promotion campaigns where you target your own product pages with your other product mix. They're super effective campaigns, but that was one of our immediate introductions when manual product targeting rolled out. Previously, you know, we couldn't control where our products landed some on our own, some on our competitions. Let's segment those immediately, two separate strategies. Let's conquest the competition where we have an advantage and let's defend our own product pages. With category targeting, if you're not using refinements, they're okay. You know, they don't perform that great. But Amazon rolled out the ability to refine category targets. So when you start using those price modifiers and you say products with prices greater than mine or with ratings lower than mine, you can really start to segment that targeting pool into higher relevancy targets, targets that where you have an advantage and get better returns from them. When any of these new features are rolled out, not only are we testing them immediately, but we're also looking, taking a step back and figuring out how do we incorporate this into a bigger strategy that we can utilize in combination with the other ad types or features too. So I, I feel like that was a great point. Just want to recap on that. Don't just test it, but now take a step back and figure out how you can utilize it for larger picture goals. On the sponsored ad side, another major development was when they transitioned from bid plus to bidding by placement. So previously, the only way that you could try and drive more top of search results was through your bid or using bid plus, which is kind of like dynamic up and down bid strategies today. 
that's another development that we'll get into, but where Amazon would just, it would escalate your bid up to hundred percent to get you that top of search placement. When they got rid of bid plus and introduced bidding by placement, where you can set the percentage you want to escalate your bids, we immediately started pulling the placement data that they had across our full client mix, evaluating conversion rate benefits of each placement, and then started testing on how we can leverage those percentages. How does this affect our bid strategy and harness the power of, of top of search right, right from the get-go? Yeah. When we first started, the only bidding strategy that you could use was dynamic down. And so it wasn't even specified. You know, it was just, this is the set strategy and this is how it works. And then Amazon soon after rolled out fixed bids and then dynamic up and down. So like everything else, we took a step back and figured out what are great cases to use these different strategies. So one instance where we use something other than dynamic down is like new product launches. Fixed bids can be great for that. And the key reason is that when I launch a new product and I don't have those initial reviews, I may need some time to really build up that traction and that social proof for major keywords that I want to rank for. And so if I use dynamic down, Amazon can ratchet down my bids over time because they're saying initially I'm not converting as well, so they're not going to bid as high. Where fixed bids, now we can use that and we can make sure that we're still bidding high and then over time we're going to start to get that traction and make sure that we're owning those key placements. So that's another way that we're able to utilize some of these new features as we go. Some other iterations that we've had, Sponsor Display came along, but before Sponsor Display came along, they actually started testing as Sponsored Product Views campaigns. So this was the first iteration of Sponsored Display. They were categorized under sponsored products, but really it was a sponsored display campaign and it was essentially retargeting. So we still in our database have some sponsored products views campaigns data, but then we had to convert that over to sponsored display. And since that point, sponsored display started out more as like a views retargeting. And then they added on product targeting capabilities, which to me is more just of an, an extension of sponsored products, product targeting with different types of placements that you can customize. And then over time, now a sponsored display has added other audience targeting features. I would just say some of Amazon's rollouts aren't going to be super widely communicated. And so pay attention in your ad console and watch out for any new features and just think about how they can be leveraged in a unique way, how it can integrate with your other campaign strategies. One example is sponsored display when it was first rolled out. You couldn't select like same ASIN views retargeting. It was just any views of a product similar to yours, Amazon's choice essentially with no visibility into what those products were. And then they slowly introduced through some closed betas, some open betas, some additional targeting options, and you maybe or maybe didn't see it in your account. It, it's hit or miss across sellers. Some really awesome sponsored display retargeting refinements, you know, because of the nature of how they beta test different targeting options. You just have to stay on the ball, stay in the ad console, check through the ad console from time to time to see, is there anything new that I can leverage? And so we, we've seen the exact thing for yeah, like sponsor display, like Matt's covering sponsored display product targeting. A lot of people didn't understand it from the start. We were able to utilize it right away and we were seeing super low cost per click because nobody else was really advertising for it. And so we were getting great results from the start. And over time, as more people have 
got in it. Now it's coming back down to kind of like the average over time, the market gets efficient and people start advertising and then it just becomes another ad in our mix. Same thing for placement adjustments for sponsored products. Right away, we were seeing such awesome results for top of search. And by the way, we still are. But at that time, nobody was bidding for top of search or they definitely won't be in, weren't being aggressive enough. And so by getting in early, we're able to get some awesome results with super high conversion rates and cost per click that were way too low for what they should have been with the results we were seeing. So again, test, trial it. And like Matt was saying too, sometimes when they roll out these features, they're still fine tuning them. We get to work with Amazon's teams to beta test some of these earlier before they're even rolled out to the general public. And so they're constantly refining them on their end too. So even if you test them out early and say you don't get the performance you're looking for, don't just write it off. Make sure you're going back again because items like, like views, remarketing, they've refined this a lot over time and given us a lot more control. So just don't take initial performance that you got a year ago with the initial iteration and say that's how it's going to perform in the future. And there's been a lot of developments on the sponsor brand side. Matt, maybe walk through a couple of those. So we started out as headline search ads, then became sponsor brands. Now we have a lot of other ad placements and targeting types. Yeah. So I think this ties into the overarching theme of where Amazon's going into brand building and brand presences, you know, being able to truly build a brand on Amazon with product recognition, with LTV storefronts. We're a massive addition. So being able to build a storefront, that's separate from sponsor brands, but being able to target storefronts as a landing page in your sponsor brand campaigns was a major addition. It gives people exposure to your full product, product catalog. You can target specific subpages with a more relevant product mix. The storefronts have way more creative options. So you can build your brand. You can, you can use lifestyle photos. You can tell people what your brand's all about, what you're all about. And yeah, get that, that additional recognition. And it really benefited conversion rates. So we see stronger conversion rates with those storefront landing pages. And yeah, it's just, it, it's better overall just for that additional awareness as yeah. well. So, so now you can target, you, you can send specifically send people who click on your ads to your storefront so you can feature your storefront. Another major development is sponsor brands video. So that one we've had a ton of fun optimizing. It, you just own a ton of real estate. Again, it, it's this next iteration where Amazon is giving us more tools to really develop our brand specifically on Amazon. Whereas before you would kind of have to do a lot of the brand building off to the side because you couldn't customize a lot of pieces on Amazon. Now they're giving us more and more control and they like that because we're building up our brands within their ecosystem too. So it's definitely a win-win where we have more control to build up our brand there where most people, where most shoppers are at. And then it's a big win for Amazon because now you have more brands who are specifically building their brand on Amazon. So lots of iterations for sponsored brands. And then sponsored display, really the key pieces or the key items that we're seeing the sponsored display team build out is really building on the audience side. And where this comes into play is sponsored display on the audience side, kind of excluding the product targeting feature. They're really working to build out like a DSP like structure while keeping it self-service and more easy to use. So in upcoming episodes, Matt and I are going to be talking about DSP quite a bit. We're really pumped up about DSP and all that it has to offer. So we'll kind of 
leave it there a bit just because we have so much to talk about in upcoming episodes. But just know that sponsor display, essentially what they're trying to do is take some of the best features of DSP that can be commonly used by sellers and make it really easy where you can do it self-service wise. Whereas DSP, there's so much customization you can do, but it's very complicated. Um, And so if you're not living in it day in and day out, like Matt and I and the team at AdVance are doing, DSP can be extremely overwhelming where sponsored display audience targeting is really a more simplified version of, say, like remarketing. So views remarketing instead of having to set up these complex audiences in DSP, you can more easily do that within sponsored display. So I feel like on the audience side, we're going to continue to see more and more control from the sponsored display side while trying to keep it simple enough where the average self-service user can come in there and set up these campaigns pretty quickly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a pretty comprehensive overview of Amazon's advertising's history. Where things are going, though, is the next couple of episodes like DSP. It's it's so huge. And that off Amazon presence is a massive opportunity for most sellers. Most. Yeah. So in general, what we're seeing right now is on the sponsored ad side, like we're always trying to get to those new features that are underutilized. And what we're seeing is that Many sellers, they're doing a pretty good job now of utilizing a sponsored product, sponsored brand, sponsored display. When we see new features, we'll utilize them and we'll get an edge right away. And then over time, more users start using that too. Really, the, the key opportunity that we're seeing for the future is, spon- or is DSP. And utilizing DSP and all of the complex audience targeting that we can do, all the controls that we can set up for the creative side, all the different reporting that's available there's so much of an opportunity for different sellers. So I know we're kind of hyping this up, but we're super excited about this. And that's where we're going to be focusing a lot of our upcoming episodes on DSP. Just how do you utilize this? How do you get started as a seller? Like, where do you go to utilize DSP? All these pieces we'll be covering in more detail. And that's really where we see the Amazon advertising landscape going is more and more to DSP while making sure that you have sponsored ads fully optimized. So Matt, any any other items to add there? Yeah, I mean, this kind of gets into the next few episodes that you're talking about, about DSP. But just to get in front of it, there's a major misconception with DSP that's out there right now. Joe, you want to just cover that? Just if you're tuning in and you're like, oh, I can't afford DSP the budget requirements are too high, those episodes aren't going to be applicable to me. Pretty much anybody can get started with DSP. Do you want to? Yeah, so spoiler alert for that one. If you go directly with Amazon, typically they're going to make you commit to like tens of thousands of dollars in ad spend, which as a seller, I start as a seller, I still am a seller. I, I wouldn't commit to that. And so if you go through an agency like us, what it allows you to do is start really small, demonstrate performance and then ramp up just like you do with any of the sponsored other sponsored ad types too you wouldn't just commit 20k to sponsored display without seeing what it can do we test it and then we'd ramp it up over time so yeah that's a great point matt for upcoming episodes don't just write dsp off if you're a smaller seller we can get going on any spend levels for dsp and there's a ton of cool strategies that we can use so I I think what we'll do is we'll wrap this one up, Matt, but make sure you're tuning in in the future. We're going to be covering DSP in a lot more detail, how you utilize it, what some of these strategies are, what performance we've seen and all those other key features. So, and then one other note, if you're listening on the podcast and you prefer watching videos or you love browsing and just looking at specific topics, 
know that we have an ad advanced channel on YouTube. We record these as videos too. So feel free to check that out. Feel free to subscribe to our channel if you want to get notified on that. And if you enjoy the podcast version and you're on like an iPhone or something where you can leave a review, we definitely appreciate that too. So make sure you're tuning in in the future when we're doing a deep dive on DSP. And also we're going to be continuing to do different guest interviews with some pretty awesome people in the industry too. So make sure you're continuing to tune in for that. So thanks for listening. Thank you.